Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion email edition for July 2nd, 2007. And we have a number of emails that we're going to read this week. And just want to remind everybody, if you have a question for our team, comments on the show, anything you'd like to tell us, go ahead and send us an email at podcast at wdwinfo.com. Or you can go to our show notes page at podcast.wdwinfo.com and fill out the form there. And uh, if we read your email on the show, we will send you your own Diz Unplugged t-shirt. And at the end of the month, we take all the emails that we read on the show for that month. And one lucky winner gets a chance to win one of the 30 great prizes. We just gave somebody a uh, seven-day park hopper pass. And uh, last month, they, somebody got a three-day, two-night stay at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. For writing an email. Just for sending us an email. So it, uh, your, odds are, your odds are certainly good. Better than they are in most places, I think. <laughs> uh, so absolutely, please send us an email. Let us know what you think. We want to uh, do our best to answer your questions or uh, just read your comments on the show. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. What do, who, who would like to start this week? I'll start. All right. The first one I have is from David in Lafayette, Louisiana. David says, our first visit to Walt Disney World will be in September. I have a nine-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. I've been reading a lot about the boards about pin trading. I was wondering if any of the podcast members trade pins and the best spots at Walt Disney World to trade. Also, do you think my four-year-old will enjoy it? David, uh, your email came in and I grabbed it. I am a reformed pin trader. I used to do it quite heavily, and I've kind of stopped it absorbed a lot of my time. I think your kids are going to go crazy over it, to be honest with you. Uh, this is a great way for your kids to interact with cast members. A lot of cast members wear lanyards. Uh, any cast member wearing a lanyard is required to trade with your child as long as you are trading a Disney pin that they are not already wearing. And when I tell you they're required to, believe me, the ones that are wearing the lanyards seem to enjoy the interaction with the guests. It's going to be a great way for your kids to get to talk to cast members. It's going to be a great way for them to um, add something while they're waiting in line on your way from one attraction to another in stores. They're going to love it. Your four-year-old? It's really going to depend on your four-year-old. If your four-year-old is outgoing and verbal, they're going, to, they're going to think it's great. If they're a little shy and a little hesitant, it might take some coaxing. But once they find out that this is not a negative action, they're really going to enjoy it themselves, I think. Something I will tell you is this is not a cheap hobby. This is no. This can get pretty pricey. Pins range from anywhere from about 7 bucks to... The most expensive individual pin I've seen that Disney sells is close to $100 for one. Well, that's crazy. Now, chances are you won't buy them a $100 pin, but it can get pretty pricey. And what happens is they're going to want to trade a bunch of them. It would be my suggestion that you visit one of the online auction sites, and there are people out there selling bunches of pins. Please understand, as long as it says Disney on the back of it and there's a copyright symbol, it's tradable. And you can buy usually a handful of pins for uh, less than you would pay in the park. So, yeah, I think this is something your kids will like, and I think it will add a layer of enjoyment to your um, vacation or your kids' vacation. I think you're also going to want to get involved yourself. Yeah, pin trading was something that started at Disney back uh, for the Millennium Celebration. They brought that in. They were just going to do it for that year. And uh, this is something that's been very popular. This uh, pin trading has been a very popular event at uh, the Olympics for many, 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 many years. And Disney kind of borrowed that, that concept. Never expected it was going to take off the way it did. And uh, now it is a full-blown 
industry. Yeah, and these pins can be worth a lot of money, too. I know we bought one on the Disney Cruise Line. It was like $5. And the next year later, we sold. We had it on eBay and sold for 140 I'm yeah. like, that's insane. That's... There is a spot at downtown Disney called the Disney Pin Trader, which is a store. And there are tables outside where pin traders gather. This is probably not something you're going to want to stick your nine and your four-year-old into. This is yeah. a little higher level of pin trading. But please there, understand that all of the stores, all of the resorts, all of the theme parks offer pin trading on a much uh, more casual basis. That's the word I was looking for. The downtown Disney pin trader gets a little more intense. Also, you're going to find cast members who have green lanyards. The green lanyards mean that you have to be nine years old or under to trade with that cast member. And it just seems to be a, a lot nicer for kids. They're not buying the, you know, 45-year-old man to trade a pin. <laughs> right. The green lanyards often have better pins on them also. I would let your kids know that they should trade for what they like. I would not worry about what Corey said about your pins being the most valuable. If you're going to get into that level of pin trading, it's a bigger t investment of time and money. Let your kids enjoy it. Yeah, just do it for the fun of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to invent... What was that pin I bought? Will Robinson pin? <laughs> Will Robinson from Lost, in space? Lost in space? I think it was Christopher Robin. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Remember I bought those pins? Yeah. I still have them at home. Anybody that wants a Chris Robinson pin to trade Christopher with. Robin, I think, is what you're saying. <laughs> Christopher He's from Robin? Winnie the Pooh. Will Robinson is from Lost in Space. Yeah, which character? I think I have, Bob's Lost in Pooh. Christopher Pooh. Robin's. Sorry. Christopher Robbins. Will Robinson, David, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. It's something your kids will probably really like. Yeah, they will. All right. So, well, we hope that answers your question about uh, about pin trading. And who would like to uh, who would like to go next? I have one. I have an email from Kim. She's from Newport, Rhode Island. She's going to be visiting during the Food and Wine Festival, and she's going to be on the Disney Dining Plan. And she wants to know if she can purchase food from the festival using her credits. Um, yes, you can. You'll be using your snack credits. And she also asked, can you use your counter service credits there, too? You can. I don't think it's worth it. You'd be wasting the whole uh, a quick service yeah, for a, l a little portion of food. But you can use them, ex uh, excluding alcohol. Um, the menus at each of the booths have, like, the D little Disney Dining Plan logo on all the food that you can use. So. I don't really think this is a wise use of your credits other than your snack credits. No, if, you if you save them up, you can just maybe go around the world using your snack credits and... The the portions that you're getting are not meal size. Uh, they're they're it's better, it's better than popcorn. I, I agree well, for the snack credits. Yeah, yeah. For, oh yeah, definitely not for counter service, but yeah, for snack credits, I definitely right, definitely use it. Food and wine festival, certainly oh. one of my favorite things. Eighty six days away, amazing. Counting. <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff at Food and Wine Festival. Corey's Can't got wait. the big bike magic marker marking uh, off the days. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll be there day one. <laughs> All right, who's next? Um, I'll go next. I want from Kay in Williamsville, Alabama. Does anyone know when 2008 package and room rates will be available? We are planning a trip in March of 2008 and would like to get booked. Thank you. Um, Kay, Typically, Disney releases the next year's uh, availability and pricing in the fall, right around middle to the end of September. You can expect 2008 packages and room rates to be released. If you are desperate to get something booked that you think is going to be a, a hard-to-get reservation, you can still book your room now for 2008. 
However, you have to keep in mind you're going to book at 2007 rates, and Disney will raise the price once the 2008 rates are come out. You know, the good thing is, is that you follow the same um, deposit policies as before. So if you don't want to take it, if the price comes down and it's too much, you can always cancel it. However, it's a good way of locking in your room for uh, a particular period of time, especially if you want something that's a little bit limited, like the family suites at the All-Stars, or if you're going to travel during Easter, you might want to lock in your reservation. But look for rates and availability for packages to come out around uh, September of this year. Disney's not real good about converting those room-only reservations to packages, though, are they? Uh, it's a great point, is that if you book a room-only reservation, you have to rebook if you want to change it to a package. You can't just convert it. This is because it's two different systems for Disney. It's right. not like you're just changing a number around. However, for the most part, if you're booking something that's not really, really particular, you can get it rebooked fairly easily. Right. And then you have to worry about your deposit will not be transferred over. You're going to have to cancel the one reservation and give a new deposit for the next one. Disney just loves to make it as difficult as possible, you know? It's, you know, you got to jump through hurdles on everything when it comes to Disney. I, re- I always tell people to just, unless you're booking something very specific, like you said, to just wait until they release the packages. Everybody else is waiting also, so just act early. And you don't know what, they love to do this, you know, promotional package. You don't know what it's going to be for the following year, right. what's going to include or not include. So. so why let Disney hold your money? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Mr. Varley, you have one. Yes, I have one from Rachel from Russ's. Yeah. Russellville, Arkansas. Uh, she says, being a Razorback fan, we get a kick out of listening to Corey mention LSU, and we love hearing anything about Cot Cam. I can't tell you how many times I caught myself laughing out loud. Anyway, she says her Disney husband and I are trying to plan our second trip to the parks and need your help. We are considering staying at a value uh, probably the Pop Century for three nights and then switching to either Port Orleans Riverside or Port Orleans French Quarter for four nights. What is your opinion on switching resorts? Is it more trouble than it is worth? Do cast members move the luggage or are the guests responsible? Also, what would you choose for two adults, Port Orleans Riverside or Port Orleans French Quarter? Thanks for your input. Number one, thanks for the the comments. Uh, I'm sure Corey likes the comments, too. (laughs) Go Tigers. Go Tigers. There you go. (laughs) And uh, when I used to come down to Disney World, I used to split my vacation up and try a couple of hotels. And I used to do, like, I used to love going to Wilderness Lodge, and then I'd do maybe All-Stars. And when I went to Wilderness Lodge, I I did the food and fun package back then when it, it was something. But it, it's not that bad to, to transfer. They'll transfer your luggage from one hotel to the other, and you can either go over in the morning and check in and then go about your business. If it's just the two of you, it's just, you know, either take a cab over, which is probably the easiest unless you have a car to to drive over, uh, and then just do that and then take and go to the parks from there. You know, it really doesn't take that much time out of your day. And they'll transfer the luggage, and when you get back to the the hotel, it'll be waiting for you, and you call down and have them deliver it to the room. So it's not that bad a thing. And it gives you, the, it gives you a couple of different views of the different hotels. And I, I 
used to like it. And I think my wife, Diana, liked hopping from the different hotels and doing the different levels, which was good. Port Orleans Riverside, French Quarter. Corey? I like Riverside. That's, that's my I do personal. Too. Yeah. I, I do, too. Uh, I don't I know. I think they have a better food court. Yeah, and they, they have the, the fishing hole there. And uh, I mean, they both have the – you can go to downtown Disney with the boat, so they're both – that's the same. I think uh, – I just like Riverside better Which is myself. the one with the dragon pool. That's French Quarter. French Quarter. Yeah. I like that pool a lot. I mean, yeah. it's a really yeah. cool yeah. pool. It is a cool pool, but the thing is, you can – you can use either of those pools. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I got to tell you, I have a different type of opinion. My time at Disney is limited. I don't want to be packing up my stuff and moving to another resort. But yeah. I'm one of those people who says, you know what? I could be spending that time doing something much more fun. Yeah. I can see if you have kids and you have to lug the kids around, but they're coming by themselves, right? Yeah, they're too. And, and they're also they're going from the, a value to a moderate. So I think as long as you're making an upgrade, yeah. you know, you're not don't, going from like the Wilderness Lodge to Pop Century. Yeah, don't do don't do it the other way around. Try to do it do the the lower value one first, and yeah, then, do the All Star first, and then the, and then yeah. do Port. And it gives you it gives you a couple of perspectives. I mean, Disney will move your luggage. I think where you'll lose time is depending on the check-in process. If you get to the check-in area and it's evil, you're gonna you're gonna lose time at Disney for that. If it's not crowded, you can zip right through check-in. So yeah. that's mean, the only time you'd lose any time. I mean, one person could go over there, just grab a cab, and the other person could just you know head over to the park, and then you catch up to the person if you wanted. That's to. something Disney should work on. They should work on some sort of automated check-in from one resort to another. Yeah, that would make it a lot easier for people. What do they do? They're splitting up a seven-day vacation, right? Yeah. Three, uh, four? Three nights yeah, and then switch into four nights. So, you know, it's not e- it, it's not as evil as it, it sounds. It's a land-land it, package. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So instead of going on the ship, you, you just move to a different hotel. So I, I personally liked doing that, and that gave me a, a whole perspective of different hotels on the property. And they, when I was coming down before before I moved here, so I, we enjoyed it. Good, Kevin. Not so much. Okay, I'm lazy. <laughs> All right. Who would like to go next? I have another one. My next one is from Wendy in Hopewell, Hopewell, New York, where Mother Regina lives. Oh, that's right, Mother she Regina. Live, you just live there. Oh, right. She doesn't live there anymore. They threw her out. Yeah, she's gone. Wendy wants to know, weed allergies. Would you ever do a show about what restaurants uh, one can eat at with weed allergies? Wendy, I can't imagine us doing a whole show about weed allergies. However, I can tell you that John's family was in town last week, and one of the members of his family has a severe peanut allergy. In any restaurant we went to, any of the sit-down restaurants, all she did was mention to uh, the server that she had a peanut allergy, and within minutes, the chef, the head of the restaurant, or the head of the kitchen, excuse me, was tableside explaining to her what she could and could not eat on the menu. He offered to uh, create special things for her. He offered uh, suggestions on entrees, appetizers, desserts. And was very concerned about the fact that she got exactly what she wanted. I would just suggest that you let the person in the restaurant know. Now, at a snack cart or a counter service restaurant, I think you might want to be a little more careful. And 
tread a little more carefully. But if you're sitting in one of the larger restaurants, I'm pretty sure you're going to be taken care of. Yeah, the takeout one, you you want to deal with that like as if you were in everyday, you know, mode as far as if you were eating out, you know, if you're going to a McDonald's or something. I had someone that uh, had an allergy. I, I can't think of it. it maybe the weed allergy but we went to germany but the chef did come out and he he actually walked her through the the buffet line and said okay this you can do that you can do this you can do and he even offered i think that she couldn't have a dessert so he even offered to make a dessert that was uh for her yeah, they're very accommodating and, if you have yeah they're allergy. very sent- i mean he came out he sat down at the table with her and talked about the allergy and they they really take good care of you. I must say that you know Disney does a good job. And on that. this is true of Disney Cruise Line as well. If yes, you're on Disney Cruise Line, they're super about making special meals, about pointing out what you should and shouldn't eat. So don't worry about your allergy. Just be vocal about it and make sure you tell somebody. If you're at a counter service restaurant, I would ask to speak with a manager. There's there'll be a manager at each location, and I would make sure that you spoke with someone there to let yeah. them know. Just stay away from World of Wheat and Living with the Land. <laughs> you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. The Wonder Bread concession. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. You have another one, Corey? Yeah, I do. I have one from Chloe. She's from Massachusetts. Um, she has a question for She has two questions. Um, first, is the week before Christmas at Walt Disney World usually busy? Yes. Mm. <laughs> no. I, I <laughs> short <laughs> answer. <laughs> I want the week before Christmas is I think is a good week to come. Yeah. From the 15th to the 22nd there's a lot of good price deals out there on the hotels. Uh so I would say yes to it's come. It's once you start getting close to the uh 24th, 24th. Okay. or through New Year's Eve. Here's what's happened though. D- Disney is is positioning their off time with these deals and these specials. So you almost have no downtime at Disney anymore. No, you don't right. see you it just anymore. said it before about the internet creating that first couple yeah. of weeks of December. That used to be. We used to come down on vacation. Right. We would leave the day after Thanksgiving and come back around the 14th. Uh, those days are no longer. We used to. The parks used to be empty. I have pictures oh, yeah. with very few people in them. Yeah, that that time frame's narrowed in December, and it's like right now it's from the 15th to the 22nd, and you can get some good deals out there. You're not going to find as many people as you would the week between Christmas and New Year, right, but right. you're also not going to find the parks empty anymore. Right. That was her first question, and she also okay. writes, also, I'm planning on oh, donating... She's only allowed one. Yeah, well, no, only one T-shirt. Um, she, she plans on donating her hair for the fourth time to an or- organization called Locks of Love. Um, they make wigs for pediatric cancer patients. Um, at certain salons where she lives, they'll cut your hair for free and send it directly to the organization. She wanted to make this next cut special and, and was wondering if the Main Street Barbershop does the same thing. Well, they don't, unfortunately. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised, yeah, too. They, they, will, they will supply you with the address and the phone number, two locks of love, but they don't do it. So. They so give it to Bibbidi Bobbidi sure, Boutique. I thought stuff. for sure they would. But, uh, yeah, so did I. I just, I just called guest services at the Magic Kingdom, and they do not. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There are um, salons in each of the, the deluxe resorts. You might find someone there who does it. Right. Those are operated by Nikki Bryan Salons, right. so that might be that might be a different scenario there. Yeah. Is the Main Street one? The Main Street Barbershop is operated, owned and operated by Disney. So, at least I think it is. Yeah. It's who also knows? a very high volume place. 
the Main Street one. I, I was in the Main Street barbershop yesterday asking questions, getting ready for Gavin and Mason coming down. And that's a really cool thing to do if if you have somebody, uh, one of the, the children's first haircut. Yeah. That's really cool because you get uh, Mickey ears that say first haircut on it. And a certificate. And a certificate. Yeah, but it's not necessarily your own. <laughs> Someone else's hair. Like, well, it's prepackaged in the back. <laughs> but that's a, a really cool thing, and I'm going to be taking the, the boys over there for that. And a, a helpful hint is on a time of day, if it's really you find it busy, go back during the 3 o'clock parade or just before they close at 5 o'clock is another good time to, to go, is what I was told. I was sure there was a nap coming. <laughs> Get your hair cut, take a nap. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Talk about my notes. All right, John. I have another one. I have one from Dan in Jenison, Michigan. Uh, Dan says, my wife and I are taking our five and seven-year-old to Walt Disney World with their grandparents, their aunt, and their uncle on Sunday, July 8th. Ooh, that's quick. Soon. That's soon. Almost today. But We're no. We're staying at Old Key West, and we'll be there for eight days. We have scheduled time apart, but we all want to have a small. We all want to have a meal together on the last day. I'm looking for suggestions for a location for dinner for eight. Characters are not a requirement, as many of our other meals will be character meals, and we do have the dining plan, but we won't have any credits left for this last meal. I also don't think that we are in the California Grill price range. Uh, but are open to any ideas and many suggestions. Um, you have a lot to choose from, really, at Disney. Party of Eight is not that uncommon. Um, as a matter of fact, they are often dealing with large families and large parties. Um, I would suggest, depending on where you're going to be that day, it would be a big a big suggestion of what you're going to spend that your day doing. Um, we can't say enough about the Brown Derby, and the Brown Derby easily will accommodate eight people, and it has a selection that everyone can choose from. Um, I would also recommend, this is going to come out of left field, but if you're looking for a large party at the um, in July, you might want to try someplace like the Portobello Yacht Club at Downtown Disney. They have, um, an, uh, at off hours, uh, eating at off hours, you'll probably be have a better chance of getting a large party table and a, a late lunch, early dinner kind of thing. What about the yacht club? The restaurant we ate at the yacht club galley. Yeah, that's a that's a good suggestion for you know it's not a yeah real pricey and you can usually get a party of eight. I think you have a lot of choices out there. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be scared by your party size. I don't think that's an issue at all at any Disney restaurant. Just you know try to find something everybody likes. Yeah, check out the menu database on the Diz and the Kona Cafe at, at the Polynesian. Kona Cafe, yeah. Uh, Cape May Buffet. If you're interested in all-you-can-eat stuff, yep, Cape May Buffet or is great. Or Bulma's. Bulma's. Bulma's is a little eclectic, and it depends on, yeah. you know, what is it, five and seven. They yeah, might. Bulma can also be a tough call to get a reservation for eight this late. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking they, they some of the kids can see some of the animals out and this stuff. Bulma has a few tables in the middle that accommodate big parties, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's booths yeah. or smaller tables around the exterior. But... I'm sure you'll do. be very happy no matter where you go. Yeah. You guys will have a great time. Sounds like you're going to have a, a nice big family get-together. Yeah. Cool. Size doesn't matter. Um, do we have more? 
Pete, I have one from Kathy from Louisville, Kentucky. She has a question regarding the half marathon, which is in January. Uh, do you know if you can walk the half marathon? I have a friend that ran in the half marathon last year and mentioned that she saw people walking the entire course. I'd like to walk it one year, but I, I know there is a certain time frame you have to com complete it in and a certain pace that you have to maintain. Is the pace the same for walkers? If it is, I would uh, die at that pace. I uh, was curious if you guys and gal knew the answer. And I looked it up, and uh, number one, the 2008 Hoff Marathon is closed for registration. Uh, registration fee was $95. Uh, you do have to maintain a pace, and if you can walk at a pace of 16 minutes per mile, then you'll stay in the race. But that's a that's a fast walk, <laughs> and you have to do that for thirteen miles. What if you slow down? Are they cattle project? Well, <laughs> from, what, from what I found out, that if you're not keeping up on the pace and not going to finish it in the three and a half hours, they actually pick you up in a, a bus or something and <laughs> take you to the finish line. <laughs> like the bus of shame. <laughs> Give me half my money back. Yeah, then well, they ban you from Disney for life. Well, the thing is, here, here's the thing. It starts at 6 a.m. on on the Saturday, uh, January 12th, I think it is. You have to arrive at Epcot at 4 a.m. to to do this, and uh, if you're registered. So, and this race goes from Epcot to Magic Kingdom and and back again. So, if, in 13 miles, so you have to maintain some sort of pace. And if you're not if you're not at a certain time, probably by the time you get through with the Magic Kingdom. I mean, it's early in the morning, so they're not going to worry about you as much uh, at 6 as they are at 9. So at 9, 9.30, they probably go start collecting them up and use the little cow catcher thing. and uh, <laughs> The cow catcher. Cow catcher. Watch Bring, out, here comes the bus. Here comes the bus. <laughs> and they <laughs> scoop you up from the side as you're running. You weren't fast enough. Sorry. It's the Jingle Jam and Jungle Parade bus. <laughs> you're, you're on the bus of shame. So it's it, not it is, getting on the bus. It's getting off. And the thing is, you have to finish in three and a half hours to qualify for getting a certificate that you completed the course. So after three and a half hours, you ain't going to get the certificate. So you might as well get on the cattle car and, and come back in, in the bus of shame. Uh, so And you also have to be 14 years old. So You can't be 15? <laughs> Or older, sorry. <laughs> so, I just thought that was a new restriction this year, some arbitrary. Uh, we only want 14-year-olds. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean 16. Talk about thinning the herd. All on those Healy shoes. 16-minute mile, is, you know, that's, that's, that's not a brisk, too bad. That's a I mean, I pace. used to, when I, when I was in that's school. That's a pretty good pace. When I was walk. in school, I used to run uh, five minutes, five-minute <laughs> miles, and that was running. Yeah, but that's when miles are smaller. Small, back then, the miles were smaller. Oh, you guys are making fun of me. I have a prop. I've been waiting for this. Oh, it's like You've been Fibber waiting. McGee and Molly's how closet. Long, how long do you normally have to wait for us to make fun of you? <laughs> Why didn't you tell us? We would have started earlier. I have a trophy. Oh, Lord. 
Back in 1989, <laughs> I just want to prove that I came in second place in the Masters division of a triathlon. Was it a tambourine marathon? Uh, there you go. See? <laughs> tambourine players? No, it was it was a triathlon. Burger, fries, and a Coke. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> there were more than four people in the race, but and and I had a trip, two of them, to get the trophy, but I have a trophy. So... But a 16-minute... Okay. And you dug this out. Why? <laughs> Just as a You're prop. making fun of me. Here's a trophy I got in 1989. <laughs> right. Well, Boy, that's just such an obvious connection between those two things. Well, I'm just saying... I not for this at all. No. But, you know, keeping a 16-minute pace, that's not too bad. I mean, you can run and walk and run and walk. Is this how you dressed? Because this guy's wearing a thong. And no, I had, a, I had a Speedo. And he's carrying a wreath. Is that one of the 3,000 wreaths they have at uh, Disney World for Christmas? Hey, I got a trophy. That's all that 2,999. He's got I'm proud one. of it. Bob, I don't see your name on any of this anywhere. Is this something you put at a flea market? No, I, I got that for real. <laughs> How come it doesn't say Bob on it anywhere? Brian will, Brian will vouch for this. Bob the triathlete. Give me my trophy back. Instead of the flash, he's the boot. I have a trophy. That's it doesn't have his name on it anywhere. It doesn't matter. I came in second place. Brian scratched out. Bob's <laughs> written in in crayon. <laughs> anyway. That was the so, trophy from his spelling being in the third grade. No. Anyway, I'll put it back in my props box. So sad. So that's, I hope I answered that for Kathy. To death. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, you have another one. Oh, man. I, yeah. Do have you have a prop? No, I don't. I don't bring props. Uh, I have one from Carolyn. She's from Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. She's 17, and she's planning her family's sixth vacation to Walt Disney World. She's 17, and she's doing the planning? Cool. They're, um, they're staying at Pop Century, and her question's about rental cars. They have a few ADRs at a few of the Disney resorts, and so they plan on doing a bit of resort hopping. They have a res- uh, ADR for Spoodles, Boma, and Kona Cafe, and she's wondering if a uh, rental car is going to be worth the, the hassle to reduce, you know, instead of Disney transportation. It really depends on where you're going to be that day. You know, we were talking about this before um, before we started the show. Disney transportation can be a hassle if you need to go from resort to resort. It's because you need to to go to the one of the main the main areas like downtown Disney or one of the theme parks, and then take another bus there. Yeah, you really have yeah, to the, get the to buses, a hub. Yeah. The buses do not go from hotel to another hotel. There's not one that does it. You have to go to the transportation downtown Disney or. Mm-hmm. Or even go to the Magic Kingdom and and then switch bus and go to a resort. Yeah. You can do that too. You know, on the day that you have Spoodles, if if you're going to be at Epcot that day, you can just walk right over from the World Showcase and then maybe take a taxi. It's a short trip from the Boardwalk be- to Pop Century. You know, it's not that much money. And the same thing with um, Kona Cafe at the uh, Polynesian. If you're going to be at the Magic Kingdom, you can just go ahead and take a take the monorail. You're still going to have to. Yeah, take the monorail from the Magic Kingdom to Kona. And then walk over to the you transportation walk, yeah, center. Right, you're really going to have to plan to be around. To make it easy, you're going to have to be around where your ADR is that day. If you're go- Otherwise, if you're going to be in a different spot, you're really going to have to have a transportation other than the Disney transportation system. That will eat up a huge part of yeah, your day. Well, right. You need to keep in mind that if you're going to use Disney, Disney buses... Uh, you have to build in a minimum, a minimum of 60 to 90 minutes into your travel time to get where you need to be on Absolutely. time. And a, that's not even going from, that's like going from the Magic Kingdom to your resort. We're not talking about going from Pop Century to the Poly. 
because you still have to build in time to get to a hub, and then from the hub, it's like a city bus. You really have to t- build yeah. in time to right. transfer. That's why I say a minimum of 60 to 90 yeah. minutes right? Um, for you to get to where you need to go. So, you know, we, we get the questions a lot on rental cars. Are they worth it? Aren't they? You know, is no hard and fast answer to that. It all depends on what you see. For me, it's a it's a no brainer. Right. It's a it's a rental car out of the gate. Yeah. I'm not even going to think about taking a bus. I'm I'm just it's not my thing. I'm not a bus guy. I never was a bus guy. Not and only that, but when you need Advil at two o'clock in the morning, Walmart is open. You yeah. know, I'm one I, of those people. I, just, I like to have the freedom on my vacation of being able to get into a car and go. Yeah. I don't want to be held back because there's no transportation. I want to be stuck someplace that I necessarily may not want to be. It's my vacation. I want to yeah. be able to play it by ear. So I think it really depends on the kind of, you know, the kind of family you are, the kind of, you know, how you like to vacation, what it is, what kind of convenience level you like, what prices can you get a good rental car for. Um, you know, these are all. It also depends on how patient you are because yeah. you can stand at some of these hubs at busy times and wait for you won't get on the yeah. next bus. See, I'm very impatient. When we stayed at the Swan and Dolphin this past uh, few weeks ago, took a bus to downtown Disney, and it must it, I think it took about 45 minutes because we yeah. had to stop at the Yacht Club. We had to stop at the Beach Club. Then we had to stop at the Boardwalk. Yeah, and then, people don't see that. Yeah, you know, and it needs to be told that, you know, moving from one place to another, you – once you start thinking about moving, it's an hour to 90 minutes and maybe longer sometimes. I mean, I can remember a night we went to Fantasmic over at MGM, and we were staying at the, the Swan. And we came out, and there was tons of people waiting for a bus, and you're standing there waiting for a bus. We ended up taking a taxi back to the hotel, and we were there in, like, less than five minutes. Why didn't you take the and boat? The boat, I mean, when, when Fantasmic lets out, all those people are out there. You've got 5,000 people, and usually... If yeah, the, boat, the boat's your last choice when the, it's that packed. Right. And it, it'll take you a half an hour to do a boat, sometimes even more. Just to get on the just boat. Just to get on the boat. And we jumped in the taxi, and it was only a few bucks to, to go back to the hotel, and we were there in five minutes. And for me, sometimes my time is, is valuable. So getting in a taxi and just jumping in there and, and going back to the hotel, sometimes, you know, extreme things happen. I know she didn't ask this, but this the time that Pete just mentioned can be compounded exponentially if you're traveling with someone who's handicapped mm. because yeah. then you have to wait for the right bus. Yes, mm. and that's, that's something we true. should touch on some, some other time. Uh, but transportation... You need to think it out. You can't just snap your fingers and you're at the Magic Kingdom from your hotel. It it doesn't happen. And uh, so... Especially if you're ADR. You know, you don't want to be late for it. You know, the, but there's people... You know, exactly. And they tell you you should arrive 15 minutes prior to your ADR. And uh, so... But there's people that are out there that, you know, they drive to work every day. They do an hour commute. And they just don't want to drive. So... Right. But... You know, I, you can uh, go bus or taxi or whatever. All right. Well, I hope that answers your question. And, again, if you'd like uh, like to submit a question for, uh, for us here at the Roundtable, you can send your comments, questions, anything else to podcast at wdwinfo.com or go to our show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com, and just fill out the form. And if we read your Email on the show. We will send you your very own Diz Unplugged t-shirt. 
And that is going to do it for our email edition this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show. And we will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. Have a great week. Have a great week.